the podcast where music meets sports. I'm Gannon Hannibal, and you're listening to What's the Score? What's the Score? Welcome to What's the Score? That's the podcast where music and sports collide. And today uh, we have our very first repeat guest. This is the first time we've had the same guest come back on the show for a second time. I'm your host, Gannon Hannibal, but I'm here with Vaughn Jones. Vaughn was on our debut episode here on Blaze Radio, and now he is back because it's an NBA draft special. The NBA draft was yesterday, and we've got all of our hot takes today. Vaughn, how are you feeling right now? Oh, I, I, I initially shell-shocked, but I am actually very much enjoying the results of the NBA draft. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot to be surprised by, I think. I know uh, us as Phoenix guys, we were kind of caught off guard by the way the draft went yesterday. I'm sure Chicago fans are feeling much the same right now. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you can't really have any sort of uh, hard verdict until you see these guys hit the court, which will be sooner rather than later because... NBA tip-off day is still scheduled for November 22nd, which is just over a month away, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Vaughn, how do you... December 22nd. That's right. Did I say November? Yeah, you said November. Shoot. It's uh, not three It's not three days from now. It's, uh, <laughs> I, w- I wish it was three days from now. That'd be very exciting. <laughs> Me too. But December 22nd, so we are a month and three days away from uh, the first NBA tip-off of the year. Vaughn, how do you think the shortened uh, offseason will affect these rookies and, and how they look when they hit the court? Because you've got guys that are going to have to mesh with teammates very quickly and learn the uh, learn the systems that they're playing in, and that might be a little bit different. I think this draft is a little different, though, as well, because this wasn't a very top-heavy draft. This was a get-your-guy draft. Like, the Bulls drafted Patrick Williams at four. He was their guy. They wanted him. And I think the Suns really, really wanted Jalen Smith as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, how much these guys have already prepared to play with these teams. I was, you know, quick flex in a in a presser with Jalen Smith yesterday. <laughs> uh, and he mentioned that the Suns, like, he was one of their 10 workouts. So the Suns have already seen what he can do. And James Jones, who I was also in a presser in yesterday, quick flex, uh, once he said when they worked out Jalen Smith, um, they they saw less of what he could do and more of what he couldn't do because they knew what he could do already. They knew he was a solid three-point shooter. They knew his post defense was good. They knew he was an anchor for like a press defense. Um, But what they saw is that they need to work on his foot speed and stuff like that. So they know already what they need to do with Jalen Smith and the Bulls probably know already what they need to do with Patrick Williams. And like, everybody knows what they need to do with the guy that they're going to take. Um, so it seems like everyone got the guy that they really wanted to get. So I don't think having a shortened season off season is really going to affect them as much as usual. Uh, we in like last year's draft, like it's a top heavy draft. And if the Suns only had like less than a month to work with Cam Johnson, it probably would have been a little bit tougher. Well, I think, uh, I mean, you are you work for Cronkite News, you have the Phoenix Suns beat, so you're flexing all of these interviews that you were able to have, and I'm going to test your Phoenix Suns expertise right now. A lot of Suns fans were very surprised to see Phoenix pass on Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he is a very talented point guard who was mocked in the top five for some people. Do you think that'll be the type of thing that the Suns fans look back and regret the way that Luka Doncic has burned us and lived in our memories forever now. 
Well, Tyrese Halliburton's in Sacramento, so short answer, no. Uh, Halliburton is, I don't know, Sacramento is not great with their young player development. Occasionally they've hit on guys like they got the Aaron Fox, they hit on him. Uh, but you're looking at guys like Harry Giles, who everyone said had a ton of potential, and it just feels like his potential was incredibly wasted spending time in Sacramento. Uh, so if Halliburton... I actually really was interested in seeing Halliburton potentially go to Atlanta and forming a backcourt duo with Trey Young, where it's like both guys can pass, both guys can shoot, well, obviously one more than the other. Um, but I think De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton could be an interesting backcourt, especially if uh, the Kings go through with trading Buddy Heald. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to develop him as well as he would have developed on literally any other team. Uh, I think the Kings have the potential to be the 15th team in the Western Conference this year. I think they're going to be close to the bottom, if not the bottom. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, I know last night you and I were talking and we kind of decided that we're at the point where general manager James Jones, we, we trust him now. Uh, has he has he officially earned that pedigree? I mean, he, he drafted Cam Johnson last year and Cam Johnson so far has turned out to be a, a very solid pick. He's got a great shot. He's been... Uh, he, he lit it up in the bubble, and uh, I know he had a large part in deciding to draft Mikhail Bridges, even though then he was not the, the general manager. I know that he had a large say in the decision to get Mikhail Bridges. Uh, do you think James Jones has officially reached that tier of, of general managing, that you trust him with whatever he does? I mean, last night, and this was posted on Twitter so everyone can see this, uh, James Jones said, you know, if we make the playoffs and we lose in the first round, nobody's satisfied. If we make the playoffs and lose in the second round, nobody's satisfied. If you make it all the way to the finals and lose, nobody's satisfied. I think James Jones really has like a championship vision. Um, and I think he's building it. I mean, there are quote unquote James Jones guys and Jalen Smith is James Jones guy. And like, they, they're like, you know, positive wingspan, hard workers. Um, and they, James Jones mentioned this, Jalen Smith loves basketball. And like, that's the kind of guy they were looking for. And unfortunately, this year's number one pick apparently does not love basketball. But James Jones was looking for a guy that really does enjoy the game of basketball, who's driven, uh, who's got like a solid work ethic. And I mean, like Cam Johnson was that guy last year too. He's got a solid work ethic. He's got a decent wingspan. He can shoot the heck out of the ball. And Jalen Smith is the same way. Um, I think we can trust James Jones to uh, evaluate talent. I think he's done a very good job of drafting. Uh, I mean, taking a swing on Mikhail Bridges has paid off in spades because he's the third best player on the Suns right now. Um, maybe fourth, if, depending on how you feel about DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I forgot Chris Paul is on the team, so third or fourth. Um, that's insane, by the way. Uh, but James Jones has done a good job of evaluating talent so far, and I think we can trust him on this one. I think it's interesting that they stayed silent for the rest of the draft. I could have sworn I thought they were going to trade back into the first round and try and take another guy, um, but eh, I'm just shrugs. I'm just not sure what assets this team has to trade, really. And and plus, uh, with the G League situation right now, the Northern Arizona Suns being pretty much non-existent, uh, I'm not sure they really have the ability to to look for young guys, especially in the second round, late yeah. first. This is why you look at, don't expect like an undrafted free agent signing from the Suns. They don't have a farm system right now. Uh, and, and that's really stupid, um, quite frankly. Um, but they don't have a farm system right now. So they couldn't trade into the second round. But I thought they were going to do their thing where they take a four-year NBA-ready guy because they've done that twice in the last two years um, in Desmond Bain from TCU. But they let him 
flip to Memphis, which is really going to come back to bite them, I think. Yeah, Desmond Bain, that fit in Memphis is one of my favorites in the draft because he he definitely has that like Memphis chip on his shoulder a little bit that I think uh, a lot of those guys coming off the uh, the bench in, in for the Grizzlies have. I mean, even D'Anthony Melton, a former son, I think he kind of has that same chip on his shoulder, and, and I think Desmond Bain's going to fit in very well there. You touched on it a little bit. Chris Paul's a son's now. Uh, he Chris Paul is officially a Phoenix Sun. It's a very weird feeling. I know it, it. The writing was on the wall for a while. Looking at it, trying to look at it through an objective lens. Where do you think this puts the Suns' uh, floor and ceiling at nowadays? Holy cow! Um, floor probably the eight seed, which is really funny to say. Uh, but at this point. I'm not super concerned that the Suns won't make the playoffs uh, because of the new NBA play-in system that they just instituted this year. You can go all the way down to the 10 seats. You can be the 10th best team in the conference and still have a chance to make the playoffs. So I'm not concerned about the Suns missing the playoffs. I don't think that I don't I don't think there's there's 11 teams better than this team. Uh, I think their ceiling could potentially be like a home field advantage team. At this point, uh, because you're looking at Houston, who's looks like they're in a fire sale right now. Uh, you're, they're making a lot of puzzling decisions that are it's looking more and more like they're going to trade Harden and Westbrook every day. And I mean, the Thunder have now effectively been neutralized because they no longer have Chris Paul. Uh, and also they traded away Ricky Rubio last night. So they don't really have a starting point guard either because they also traded Dennis Schroeder. So you're looking at SGA, Kelly Oubre and Al Horford, I guess. Um, and there's, and Steven Adams, but there's nobody to lead that team. Um, so those are two playoff teams that are dropping out. I thought it was going to be the Warriors, um, coming back in, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it without Clay Thompson, who potentially, we don't know yet, tore his ACL yesterday or not his ACL, his Achilles yesterday. Um, I thought it was going to be the Warriors coming back in, but that might leave a vacant playoff spot for like that new Orleans team. That's looking better by the day or even that Memphis team that drafted really intelligently or the well, Portland team that just traded for Robert Covington. But yeah. I, I don't see the Suns not making the playoffs this year. I think, I think Portland's making some good moves right now. Covington is exactly what that team needed. Uh, they needed a, a guy that can guard a wing because they did not have that last year. I mean, literally, they were sending Carmelo Anthony to guard the league's best small forwards when they had to, and that was messy. Yeah. Uh, and so Covington is a great pickup for them, I think. Uh, Portland will certainly be in the playoff mix this year. Uh, for the Suns, I, I think they're, like you said, because of the 10-team playoff, I, I would say their floor, I guess, would be the 10th seed. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, that would be... Would require some injuries or something like that to, to really knock them down that far. I think the eight is, is more realistic, even as a floor. Uh, but I'm not sure I can see them hosting a playoff series. I, I think I saw I saw a tweet that said the Suns are really on a crash course toward a uh, Donovan Mitchell Devin Booker first round playoff matchup. That would be I would absolutely go insane for that because I am okay. So I I make this comparison a lot. I'm a Seinfeld guy. Um, and people talk about friends so much and they compare it to Seinfeld when they're not even in the same tier. And so I don't enjoy friends now because of how often it's compared to Seinfeld. And I feel that way about Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker in the scenario is Seinfeld and Donovan Mitchell in the scenario is friends. They're compared too often, despite being pretty different, uh, that I just no longer like Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge, I'm like the only, uh, Donovan Mitchell Suns fan. 
Like, I, yeah, Suns fans do not like that guy. Um, I just think Devin Booker is flat out better. There are things that Donovan Mitchell does better, uh, but especially now that Devin Booker has been able to play off ball, his defense has improved to the point where it's comparable to Donovan Mitchell's simply because he's taller, stronger, and has a longer wingspan. So there's not a lot of things that Booker doesn't Booker does worse than Mitchell. Well, uh, and another shooting guard is coming into the league, and I and I heard comparisons to Donovan Mitchell last night on ESPN that I thought were just absolutely outlandish, and that's Anthony Edwards. You mentioned him earlier. Uh, you said he do, you don't even know if he likes basketball. I think that is a genuine concern. I know last time we had an NBA draft show here with you and I, we both were talking about how we were not Anthony Edwards fans. In fact, in our mock draft, I think we had him falling all the way down to five or six yeah, and I, I said this when I watched him play against Arizona State, and like I was so underwhelmed because Arizona State could throw like one of their weakest wings at him, and he would still. I mean, he was just not good in that game. And like I've watched them throughout the year, and I just am not like I'm not convinced. He said in an interview like two weeks ago that he wished he had stuck with football, and that if an NFL team decided to draft him, he would drop his basketball career and start playing football again. And it's like that just you just don't. I mean, one, where is your agent and why is he telling why is he not telling you not to say this? And two, like, are you serious, dude? Like, that's just that's just dumb. Like, you can't say stuff like that and expect people to be like wowed with you. I mean, Minnesota drafted Andrew Wiggins. I guess technically Cleveland drafted him and then traded him to Minnesota. But Minnesota wanted Andrew Wiggins, and I think they're getting Andrew Wiggins again, but less skilled uh, and even less motivated, which is pretty dangerous. <laughs> I would say I would say Anthony Edwards is more athletically gifted than than Wiggins, but uh, perhaps has a less well-rounded game, and, and as you said, is even potentially less motivated, which is a massive concern, especially than the number one overall pick. Uh, I know all of the rumors were basically saying that those three guys that went number one, two, and three were going to go number one, two, and three. Do you think they went in the right order, Wiseman, Edwards, and Ball? Um. Well, in terms of fit. In terms of fit, yes. I think the Timberwolves needed a wing, the Warriors needed a center, and the Hornets needed everything. Uh, So, uh, yes, in terms of fit, yes. Each team got what they needed, and it fills a team need. But in terms of talent, no. Um, I honestly think your your most sure bet out of those three guys is Wiseman. Just because he's a tall dude and he's a good passer and he, you know, he can run multiple like different kinds of, he could be multiple different kinds of center. He could be a rim running center with athleticism. He could be an intelligent passing center out of the post. He could be your pick and pop partner, but they are the, the Timberwolves already have Carl Anthony town. So they weren't interested in Wiseman period. Um, But I think Wiseman's the most sure bet there. Mm. And then I think it's LaMelo. And then I think it's Anthony Edwards. Well, who do you think got the steal of the draft? Because I know Patrick Williams has been – that's the guy that went at four, and everyone's kind of saying that was the huge reach. And then you had, you know, Denny of Dehaf fell to nine for the Wizards. I know that surprised me a little bit. Halliburton to the Kings. There's a couple of picks that people are calling steals right now. Who do you think is the is the steal of the draft right now? Uh, I think it's – I mean – it's probably Tyrese Maxey and a lot of people are saying that. So it's not like revolutionary, but like 21 for Tyrese Maxey, like when he was projected to maybe go top 15 is a really good snack. I think for Philly, I'm surprised that Maxey fell. And then also we mentioned this earlier, but I mean, Desmond Bain at 30 is just obscene. Like that's just ridiculous. And like, I honestly thought because the Celtics had that Suns pick from last year that they used to trade uh, for, for, um, for, 
Ty Jerome, who's no longer on the team, and Aaron Baines, who will future in the future no longer be on the team. Um, the I thought the Suns were going to try and get that pick back to take Bain, but Memphis was the one that jumped on it and grabbed it. Um, I think that's another steal too because I had him in my like early twenties, maybe late teens. Well, it's kind of funny you traded Baines for Bain uh, by by the transitive property there. Uh, Aaron Baines possibly leaving the Suns, more than likely leaving the Suns. Can we take a moment to recognize the Aaron Baines fan club and its departure from Phoenix? Because that's going to be heartbreaking. It is. I mean. When Kevin O'Connor said that multiple different teams were interested in Baines, especially a lot of contenders, I was pretty heartbroken. We can offer Baines, the Suns can offer Baines the most money. And so like a sign and trade might be an interesting concept, but like, I just don't, I don't see the world where Baines plays in the Suns uniform anymore. And I will miss the Baines fan club. I asked Aaron Baines, uh, this is not for a press thing. I just used to work downstairs at the arena and I asked Aaron Baines this year if he had heard of the Baines fan club. And he said, yeah, I've heard of it. And I didn't know whether that was a good thing or not, but he said he'd heard of it. Uh, so I will miss, I will miss Baines fan club a lot. Well, did you see, he did a, he did a Q and a with somebody. I, I forget who it was. I, um, I think it's the athletic. I, I want to say it was Zach, was Zach Harper. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he did a, he did a Q&A, and they asked him if he knew about it, and he said, anyone who follows ESPN or SportsCenter knows about it. And, like, I thought that was a pretty funny reaction to it. He, he's yet to really, like, endorse his own fan club, which I think is kind of funny because it's so popular, and it's really, like, half of his identity at this point is that, oh, he's the guy with the fan club. It's and the so, same dynamic as the Stephen A. Smith burner account where, like, Stephen A. Smith has been asked multiple times about the burner account, and he said, like, oh, he wishes he was me or something like that where he just like refuses to acknowledge like one of the more popular Twitter pages on sports Twitter, but it's their dedication. The both of them have notifications on for like every popular sporting outlet and a lot of different reporters. So they just show up in the comments every single time. And I think that's why they spread so quickly is that dedication. It's like, and both of them swear they have jobs outside of this. So it's like, how do you do that? (laughs) Well, I, I wish I could like track down who's running the Aaron Baines fan account and write like a story on him like that would be there, actually so cool. there was actually someone working on a story for that for um Cronkite news but the guy like really wants to remain anonymous like no, he doesn't want anyone to know that he runs the account well yeah i mean i wouldn't even be bothered if he wanted to remain, remain anonymous i just like i want to know like what's this guy's story like <clears throat> what's he do the rest of his day like i i feel like that'd be such an interesting behind the scenes yeah well we're gonna take a rough transition into music because this is the music sports show we we'll probably I mean, we got to talk about it a little bit right obviously uh, i know we'll we'll probably come back to sports at the end because the nba draft is yesterday and both of our heads are still spinning from it i'm sure uh <clears throat> music wise i phoebe bridgers is releasing an ep on friday have you heard uh i actually had heard and i'm pretty excited about it because i do love me some phoebe bridgers <laughs> as we all know well, the uh, did you see? Did you listen to the first single, the Kyoto Copycat Killer version? Because it's awesome. I haven't heard it yet. Actually, I'm going to listen to it as soon as we get off of this call. It's it's actually very good, and I'm very excited to hear the rest of it. It sounds like she's kind of reworking four songs off of off of Punisher and and redoing them with with Rob Moose and and throwing in a, like a a string accompaniment, which is just incredible. I always love. Uh, a song that has a string accompaniment. So attach Phoebe Bridgers to that, and that's an automatic W in my eyes. I agree. I Phoebe is 
I mean, I saw a take that she is the worst songwriter in Boy Genius, which is really hard. I mean, like, I don't know about that, but like Boy Genius is amazing <laughs> if you've never listened. And then also Better Oblivion Community Center and Phoebe Bridger's solo stuff. All three of those are just like, wowee, man. She's she's had a, she's had a great like couple of years, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I would probably argue, I, I don't know, I, I like Connor Ober's songwriting probably more than Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, however, I probably like Phoebe Bridgers' sound more than, than Bright Eyes. I, the Bright Eyes album that came out this year, uh, I thought was lyrically very well done, but musically didn't do much to, to tra- trap me in as I thought it would. Um, I, it's also because they set the bar so high with the first album I heard from them, which was obviously I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, and uh, I think... That album is just so impossible to surpass for me because I, I know you know that's that's my number one album of all time. And so it's it's like it's hard to, to reach that, that pinnacle ever again now. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, are there any other albums that have come out lately that have caught, that have caught your eye and, and entered the album of the year race? I don't think anything's really entered my, uh, I guess, um, not to be like a pretentious experimental rap nerd. <laughs> Uh, but if you haven't heard, and like, I know this is like a Fantano thing, uh, the new clipping album, he really likes a new clipping album, but like, not to be that guy, but I've been, I've, I, I had previously heard of clipping. If you don't know clipping, uh, it's David Diggs's, uh, experimental rap group and their album visions of bodies being burned from this year. It's like a horror core experimental rap album. Uh, and it's just awesome. Uh, it's really enjoyable and I liked it a lot. Um, and another rap album that I liked, I don't know if I touched on this last time I was on here. Um, Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats' album that came out this year um, was really good. Uh, and I've been listening to that a little bit more lately. Um, but those two in specific, uh, clipping visions of bodies being burned. If you want to be like literally disturbed to your core, then put on your like nicest headphones and just like sit and listen and close your eyes. It's like pretty spooky. I can't lie. It's like the very definition of like, bro, turn off the experimental rap. You're scaring the. It's <laughs> like I'm not gonna say it because it's derogatory, but like you're scaring the women in the room <laughs> by putting on the experimental rap. It's it'll get your ox privileges revoked like really quickly. <laughs> well, it's I I feel like you've tried to really sell me on experimental rap and horrorcore before. And I've yet to get into it. Like, like I'm I telling you, JPEG Mafia and <laughs> Injury Reserve, they are very good. I, I mean, I, I even tried to get into Death Grips, and uh, I know that like, the Money the Money Store is supposed to be like one of the greatest albums of the last ten years. If you're a Fantano fan, like that's 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 like the the absolute peak <laughs> oh, of music. I've seen footage. <laughs> That that album did not do it for me. Like I listened multiple times, and I I don't know. Maybe my brain has not evolved enough to understand music. But like I, I hear that, and I'm just like this. This hurts me. This is hurting my ears. This is this is absolutely killing my vibe. And, oh, yeah, and it's not a it's not an album of the year for me. Uh, but Positions by Ariana Grande has a lot of bangers on it. I can't lie. Like I'm I like. Ariana Grande has put out three like high quality pop albums in the last like two and a half years, and I respect her so hard for it. That was a pr- that was a pretty polarizing album based off what I saw uh, on social media response. I saw like a lot a lot of people who were saying you know this is this is absolutely brilliant, and some people were saying that she had kind of departed from her her roots genre wise and had gone to hip hop. Well, yeah, because it's a it's a it's a it's a smashing album. 
the album almost in its entirety it's literally called positions the album in its entirety is like about sex right like whatever man she's what she's in her late 20s now she can write about whatever she wants um and then also uh wichita rico by boy pablo uh it's a short one uh and it's literally just like 13 songs that sound exactly like boy pablo's other songs but like i really like boy pablo's other songs so i really enjoyed wichita rico it's a short little listen I gotta love the just the wide array of music that we just that we just went through. I mean, it's yeah. uh, uh, Ariana Grande's sex album to Boy Pablo <laughs> to to horrorcore experimental Living, rap. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 a pretty huge range of music. Uh, do you feel like you always kind of had that large range of music, or was that something you developed as you got older? Well, so uh, my music taste was really bad until I was like a sophomore in high school. Uh, in seventh grade, I literally listened to like the Beatles and Skrillex all day. And I literally don't know how my brain handled it because I cannot listen to Skrillex now without like astral projecting into like a very upsetting plane. I do not like EDM, uh, but I very much, uh, I don't know. My sophomore year, I picked up um, folk and folk punk music like AJJ and like Ramshackle Glory and like a bunch of stuff that was like out of my depth of field for life experience but like it made me feel warm on the inside because of the acoustic guitar um but like you know like a sophomore in high school listening to an album about uh, an air local Arizona man's uh, overcoming his addiction to heroin uh, imagine that um but I picked that up and then I started listening to a lot more music because I just figured like there is so much in this world that I haven't heard. Um, and I had always gotten like, I had always enjoyed like my eighties pop hits, but then like, by the time I was a senior, I was getting into like new wave and I was listening to a lot of uh, like Smiths and you know, the thing you do your senior year of high school, where you listen to like the Smiths and the cure all day. Uh, and you know, a lot of beach boys. Uh, but I like, I expanded my taste as I got older, but now like, I think this is the most diverse bed of music I've ever listened to. Cause when I was younger, I used to be like the, Oh, pop music is the death of music. Nicki Minaj is a horrible rapper. Like all that stuff. It's like, look at like the lyrical content of this song from the sixties, opposed to this song from the two thousands. And like the modern culture is bad kind of person. But now like I'm jamming to Ariana Grande and like, my perspective has changed because music is just about enjoying yourself. Uh, so if you're listening to something and it makes you happy, like go on ahead. Yeah, right. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I felt like uh, a lot of times, like last year, I, I mean, I, I told you this many times, my, my music taste is still pretty vanilla. Like, like I still, I love pop artists like John Bellion and Quinn 92. Like, like I, I still love music that just makes me feel good. And I don't think there's a problem with that. And Absolutely I think it, not. I think across the board, people should be more comfortable just listening to music. Like I, I never understand the the gatekeeping into music that that some people are so just passionate about doing. Uh, but I, I, I don't think every senior listens to The Smiths and The Cure twenty four seven. I don't well, think that's I don't think that's kind I, of a universal. Just, maybe I was just sad. Maybe I was just sad the whole time. <laughs> so who knows? I'm not. I'm not sure that's a universal truth, but. Uh, <laughs> You try your best. It could be worse. I mean, when I was a senior, I, I'm pretty sure like my fourth most listened to artist was Futuristic. I Arizona legend, Futuristic. Yes, absolutely. I'm probably the most famous rapper from Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I can't think of anyone that's surpassed. Like he's actually probably is the most famous rapper from Phoenix. I have to. I'd have to look that up. I know like a lot about like alternative music, but like not a ton about like. 
not a ton about like like hip hop from Phoenix. I thought it was interesting last year. I actually uh, it was a year ago, probably two. I think it was two days ago. I saw it pop up in my Snapchat memories. I went to a rap festival in downtown Phoenix where they just had like a bunch of like underground rappers who were just kind of getting after it, and uh, it was literally like everyone had like a thirty minute set and they just literally rotated for all day. And I, I went. I miss that so much. Yeah, tell me about it. what's the what's the first concert you want to go to when they come back? The first okay, the first con. Well, so I'm very happy about this recent vaccine news because I don't know if I got to brag about this last time I was on the show, but um, my graduation gift from my mom was a ticket to Outside Lands. Yep. Uh, and that's that's August sixth. So this vaccine like kicking in, like getting distributed in April, and everyone's okay and good to go by like May. Uh, that's great news for me. Uh, because if you don't know, Outside Lands has Tim Paula and the Strokes and Tyler the Creator and Vampire Weekend and the 1975 and Dr. Dog and Earth Gang and Beach House and Angel Olsen and Boy Pablo, who I mentioned earlier, and MXM Tune and Rico Nasty and JPEG Mafia. I This is literally going to be like the blowout concert to end all blowout concerts for me and finding out that like there's a vaccine and like that it's probably going to be okay to do concerts by the time august rolls around well that's like the ultimate like return like like after not having concerts for a year and a half you get to come back to all of your favorite artists in one place. Hopefully the first concert I go to after the vaccine is a cable box concert. Like hopefully my band gets to play like as soon as we get to, as soon as we're good to go. Is that a plug? (laughs) Are you, are you plugging cable box right here on the show? Well, I mean, we, we talked about it last time, Um, but we actually have shifted the direction of the album because of this show. Actually, I told my band that I mentioned uh, the album we were making on your show. I mentioned it was going to be a cover album. And then one of my bandmates was like, yeah, I don't know if that like super sits right with me. Like, I think our first album should be our thing. So there are going to be a couple covers on the album, but it's uh, uh, nine songs uh, and six of them are ours. I, I love to hear <clears throat> more original stuff because I know that's what I enjoyed when you guys uh, performed at Battle of the Bands. Yeah, I think I think the original stuff was what I what I enjoyed the most. So uh, nine, nine songs is is a solid length. <clears throat> is it gonna get get on vinyl? Can I can I get a vinyl uh, copy of that? I don't know. Maybe we'll make one pressing <clears throat> just for you. <laughs> Let's go. You love to see it. I, that's something I've always wanted to do. Is like if I was musically talented, to make an album, print it on vinyl, and just have it for myself. Like literally, just, just never give it to anyone else. Right. Just have my own record and just put it like amongst all my other records on my shelf. And then when people are in here and they're like going through the records on my shelf and they're just like, what's this? Like I never seen this before. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. It's like this like super underground guy. And, and, and just know it's like, it's literally mine. Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's my album and nobody else knows. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot to mention during album of the year, this popped into my head just now, uh, anime trauma and divorce by open Mike Eagle. Uh, is a really good rap album. There's literally a whole song about how he and his wife got divorced after watching an episode of Black Mirror, but he won't say what episode of Black Mirror it is. That's, I mean, any episode of Black Mirror should be, uh, have <laughs> the... Grounds for divorce. Yeah. Have the potential to be a, a catalyst for divorce, absolutely. Yeah, but anyway, uh, aside from that, uh, yeah, maybe we'll get you one pressing uh, because I, I honestly, maybe we'll do two because I'd like to have one as well. I'm about to say, I was like, I figured if you're getting the pressing done, you're not going to not have one for yourself. 
Uh, I know there actually are websites that can do that. I think, I mean, I have a friend back in Vegas who makes music and he had an album come out uh, a few years ago now. And I think he pressed it on vinyl just for himself. There's, there's websites where you can do that. And I think it's like, I think it's like 45 bucks a pressing or something like that. It's not a terrible price. Sounds awful. And it can kind of, it comes with the sleeve and everything and you can put your track list on the back and all that. So that'd be kind of cool to do like some cover art and whatnot. I'm trying to sell you on making vinyl record of uh, the debut Cable Box album because when you guys blow up, it'll be so cool to say you have a copy. Yeah, that you have a, yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, the album, I mean, I guess I can leak the name. Uh, oh, oh my, hold on, this is a, this is a, <laughs> what's the, this is a, what's the score exclusive? We are about to hear the, the brand new Cable Box album name. We're, we're pretty sure, and we're not 100% on it yet, but we're pretty sure it's going to be called Rabbit Ears. All of our albums, if we make multiple, are going to be named after your tv things so like we're pretty sure it's going to be called rabbit ears very cool and what's the release date just like specifically what's the release date we don't know <laughs> i mean like hopefully sometime in early january i wanted i wanted to be out before i turned 22 um i'd like it it's you know inconvenient because i don't want to rush uh perfection but i'd like it to be out before the end of the year because every year since i was 16 uh, my new year's resolution has to been put an album out into the universe and i'd like to fulfill it this year I think it'd be a fitting end to like one of the worst years in the world uh, to finally fulfill like a, a five year long New Year's resolution. Um, but if it comes out in January, then I won't be mad. Well, I don't mean to alarm you, but I did enroll in a beginner's guitar class for January, <laughs> and I I am planning to steal uh, a spot in Cable Box and sabotage you guys from the ground up. That yeah, that sounds that sounds fair. We actually have had to switch uh, in, uh, band members once because the original member, his name is Nick, uh, moved to Georgia, and then the new guitarist, his name is also Nick. Uh, I knew him in high school, and now he's in the band. Very, very confusing. We have two Nicks. Yeah, I know. I know approximately like eight or nine Nicholases, uh, and it really throws off my vibe. What if I told you my real name was Nick? And I, I, I would be really upset. G Gannon's just a nickname I've been using. I've been, I've been calling you Gannon for so long. <laughs> What's funny is when I first heard your name and someone told me that you're like, I think it was when I came in toward ASU, Julia told me I have a friend named Vaughn who like, he makes music and he's also sports journalism. And when I heard the name Vaughn, I pictured your name spelled like Vaughn Miller, like V-O-N. Yeah, that was actually the first, one of the first people I met on my floor freshman year was like, I was like, oh yeah, my name is Vaughn. He's like, oh, like Vaughn Miller. And I was like, sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Close enough. Uh, no, I, so what you're saying is your least favorite pick in the draft yesterday was, was Nick Richards, the center that went to, uh, yeah. that, that went to New Orleans. What kind of name is that, man? <laughs> like if your last name is Richards, see, if my last name was Richard, I would name my child Richard. And I think that'd be really cool. Richard Richards. <laughs> like Philip Phillips. Yeah, exactly. Except huh. it's Richard or huh. little or little or Keith, little Richards, Keith Richards <laughs> or Richard Richards. You'd have to make that the middle name though. You can't just be going around here. Your name being little, that's illegal. But yeah. Keith, little Richards. It sounds like. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be absolutely outrageous. And I'm sure there is somebody that's done that. Like I, I, I guarantee you there's actually uh, a, a huge, uh, Keith Little Richard, yeah, out there. A person, yeah, that that definitely exists. Somebody somebody did that and absolutely cursed their child. Um, I, I always think about that, like Philip Phillips. Like, like how, is that a stage name or is that actually his name? Because that's just bonkers. That's a good question. I I hope it's his real name. 
Uh, yeah, his name, his real name is actually, his name's Philip Ladon Phillips Jr. I did not expect Ladon to be Philip Phillips' middle name. No. Uh, but his real name is Philip Phillips. Do, what's the what's the verdict on Philip Phillips? I know he had a couple of bangers in the in the early 2010s. I think that's what it is. I think um, that's like the like Mumford and Sons and Philip Phillips and like the the that brand of music that's like <laughs> mostly for like older millennials. Like you are you are fun. you're you're legally. I know you were gonna say the Lumineers, but you're not allowed to. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to. Uh, but those like the the bands who make music for like older millennials who like wear glasses and flannels and like are Disney adults now. Um, but they're fine. They got some bangers as long as that's like not the only thing you listen to. You literally, I'm pretty sure you literally just described my sister. Uh, <laughs> not she, to flame, not to flame. She is uh, a millennial who loves the Lumineers and flannel and Disney. Like I think lot. the Lumineers are, are the coolest out of all of those. Like Mumford is up there, but like, I think the Lumineers are the coolest out of all of those bands just because like they des- they've diversified the portfolio a little bit. The Lumineers do not deserve hate. I mean, they're probably one of my four or five favorite bands like ever. And I, I, I know that's like a huge, uh, that's a hot take, I guess. Because they get they get a lot of a lot of hate for being pop folk and and making folk there's, mainstream. There's a meme going around on TikTok. Uh, it's the song Geronimo by Shepard, which I think kind of perfectly <laughs> encapsulates yeah. like that brand of music, especially like the soulless kind of that brand of music. Because I think the Lumineers like actually care about what they're doing, and I feel the same about Mumford and Sons. But like Geronimo by Shepard, it's like yeah. really really funny. <laughs> it's just like a really good meme going around because it's also like. It's not only for those kind of people, it's also for like 2011, 2012 Tumblr people who like yeah. really like Sherlock and like that kind of thing. Like back that's when, also what that is. Back when mustaches were an aesthetic. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like <laughs> licking my pencil with the mustache on it and I hold it in front of my face and now I have a mustache or like when you go to like a like a photo booth at a party and they have like the mustache on a stick that you hold up in front of your face. Oh like, my, yes. So we're getting really specific here, but like, just understand that like, we both are like, we know exactly what we're talking about. And if you don't, you're just not as cool as we are. All that matters is, you know, who you are. Like if, <laughs> if, if, we're, if we're talking about you, you, you know who you are. Look deeply into yourself. Look introspectively. Consider if you drew a mustache on your finger. I am calling you out right now. <laughs> we know, we know where you are. We know what you've done. Uh, and and, and, and you will that's, pay. You will pay for your crimes. <laughs> we will oust you for your sins. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I always hate that Lumineers get hate because they are kind of lumped into that same genre. But like the stuff that they've done post Hohe has been actually like very good. Like, yeah, yeah. Like like their album Cleopatra is like unironically like the, my fifth favorite album of all time you I mentioned have. this to me and i listened to that album and i did really enjoy it and like that's post like the prime of like that folk pop music like that's 2016 that's how you know that like that band is very devoted to what they're doing is that they're still making music after that i couldn't tell you when the most recent mumford and sons album came out i believe they had one come out in 2017 i think it was the last time they had one uh, 20 2018 was the last one that's they, crazy they, they had those two albums that came out kind of uh consecutively what in the world why is my entire phone backwards? Anyways, that's totally <laughs> besides the point. I no, I worked I worked a Mumford and Sons concert in 2018 
after that album came out and I was just shocked at the amount of people that were there. I was like absolutely stunned by the amount of people that enjoyed it. Same thing. I worked a, a muse concert, both, both as well. I was like stunned that like these bands with the heyday and like the early 2010s were still like really getting something together, like pulling in like a close to sold out crowd at talking stickers or arena. I thought it was, I thought it was wild. Uh, you'd be pretty proud, I think, on my first day. Uh, I'm still in quarantine, for those of you guys wondering. Uh, on my first day in quarantine, I, I listened to pretty much every Radiohead album. I mm. I sat in my room and because on the first day I had tested positive for COVID, but my roommates hadn't, so I kind of isolated myself in my room. And uh, I literally just sat in my room and I listened to like seven Radiohead albums consecutively. So I I publicly put on a facade that I like don't like Radiohead. Radiohead has some really good songs. And I think um, Tom York's songwriting is uh, is good. He's a talented dude. Uh, But like I just for some reason, I'm just not nearly as into it as everybody else is. I do like on occasion, like if I'm I'm putting on on like i'm putting on like no surprises i'm putting on like the entire uh the bends like i'm putting that on and i'm enjoying myself but like i'm not nearly into radiohead as much as like all the other like fantano indie heads are um if you're I like I, I don't know what it is just for some reason it just doesn't rub me the right way but i do like okay computer a lot it's really hard not to enjoy okay computer well i i think that have you heard like the okay computer uh in rainbows theory like the no, double the double album. So apparently there's like a huge theory where uh, basically so when they when In Rainbows came out, like they used the number ten to like really tease that album a lot. Like it came out on October tenth. They uh, they teased it ten days before it came out. Um, there's ten songs on In Rainbows. Like they the number ten was like very heavy. And uh, there's basically a theory that it's like the the complimentary album to OK Computer. And uh, there's a, a large playlist that's like, well, I think there's 12 songs on OK Computer, so it's 22 songs long, and basically it alternates songs. So like every song on OK Computer has a compliment on, uh, um, on and Rainbows, and it's called like the 0110 playlist. If you find, you can find it on Spotify, and it actually is kind of crazy how it all flows together pretty comfortably, uh, and there is a lot, a lot of like compliment uh between the sounds of those two albums um personally videotapes are my favorite song um of of radiohead's years uh, after listening to all them i i really i really really enjoy that song it's so it's so unsettling i don't know do you know that song um no, i not off the top of my head i'm gonna have to i'm definitely gonna listen to that to the 0110 thing you're talking about i'm yeah. interested to see how that how that um enhances my radiohead listening experience yeah it was like a whole conspiracy that was like discovered in in the late 2000s after uh after in rainbows came out and and it was like kind of a, a thing that got passed around on message boards and now it's kind of like a a reddit like cult favorite idea and so i, I don't know i think it's kind of cool interesting um, i'll give it a listen so uh, that's that's my radiohead knowledge for the day uh, that i that i picked up on my radiohead education last week because i hadn't heard much by them um besides like their their ultra popular songs um before i listened to them last week and so i'm i wouldn't say i'm a huge radiohead fan but there were a few that i liked i I like pablo honey more than i think most people see i personally in terms of radiohead like 
I feel like I haven't just dove deep enough. Like I try and every time it like just something about it just kind of like puts me off. I will try. I will try for you and I will try for uh, my many Twitter followers who give me hate whenever I tweet about Radiohead. I have a few of my old Radiohead tweets bookmarked. Uh, and I think they're pretty funny. Um, I tweeted, uh, is OK Computer a good album? And it was a poll and it was like, no or not really. Uh, and the first reply is from a good friend of mine, Noah, and he just said, grow up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get so much hate every time I tweet hate about Radiohead. Well, you're kind of asking for it there. It's like one of the most like widely accepted good albums. And you're... People do really love that <laughs> Va- Vaughn desperate for engagement just I do love I do love the engagement there was another one that I really thought was funny it was on it was in May um it was like Radiohead one one from deep down in the vaults were dusting off live at the Astoria from 1994 tomorrow at 10 p.m and I quote to Lynn said keep it <laughs> wow <laughs> wow it's and uh also I complain about how Tom York um gets nominated for alternative album of the year like once every two years what is he the alternative to if he keeps getting nominated for best alternative album the word alternative means it has to be alternative to something but what is the alternative to Tom York please give me the alternative to Tom York <laughs> stop letting that man win Grammy I'm speechless. <laughs> there are so many better alternative albums that come out every year than whatever he puts out, but for some reason he wins it every two years. You know, someone I want to get your take on, uh, and I, I'm not sure how hot your opinion is on them. Another '90s rock band that I think gets too much hate because their hits are very cliche and, and just like so cliche '90s alt rock. Uh, Third Eye Blind. Um, Thoughts on well, Third Eye Blind? Third Eye Blind is fun. Uh, Semi-Charmed Life is awesome because it's literally like one of the brightest, poppiest songs ever. But if you listen to the song, it's literally about like, it's a pretty violent stuff. Um, I think honestly, like if you listen to the full like album that Semi-Charmed Life came off of, I can't remember the name of it. Like it's in self-title. Okay. Yeah. So the self-title, it's enjoyable. I mean, it's a good album. And like, uh, Third Eye Blind has some strong like musical ability so I would say that like of course you can boil it down and be like like Semi-Charmed Life is a good song but like that's they're more than Semi-Charmed Life I'll put that out there I, I am a huge uh, Third Eye Blind fan that comes straight from my dad my dad was a huge Third Eye Blind fan and passed that on to me and they, and they would be up there as well for one of my probably five to ten favorite bands all time and uh, that debut album of theirs I, I love that one. I, I think that's like one of the few can't miss albums. There's not like a single song on that one I hate. Uh, and I, I think they've actually put out some decent stuff uh, in the 2010s as well, which is interesting because not many bands are able to maintain longevity without like totally yeah, selling out. They're, they're considered like a 90s band, but like putting stuff out like more recently, that's pretty impressive. So yeah, I actually just, the reason I thought about that is I just got their album from 2018 uh, on vinyl last week uh, at, at Zia. Or not last week, it would have been probably, I guess, two and a half, three weeks ago now. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm actually a huge Third Eye Blind fan for sure. But I, you, you and I both know, though, the 90s rock band that I really love is Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I, how's, that, I, how's that album treating you? Oh, my. It's been my best friend the last few days. It's it's absolutely beautiful. The box set, it's the packaging's incredible. It sounds phenomenal on vinyl. Uh, I listened to 1979 when I started my morning yesterday uh, on on the on the vinyl record, and it was just beautiful. I love that song. That's probably like a, one of my favorite songs of all time. I just think that's like the perfect like it's like loosely nostalgic, 
without being like painfully nostalgic. Like sometimes you can listen to a song and it like hurts because it's so nostalgic. And 1979, I think, is in that sweet spot where like musically it conjures like good memories of like I don't know being being a kid and just living your life because I mean that's kind of what the song's about. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I think that guitar riff in that song is absolutely like iconic in every yep. way. Yep. And another album just popped into my head. I love this. I've literally listened to so much music this year. Uh, no Dream by Jeff Rosenstock. Uh, it's a punk album. Uh, banger. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock will go down like 10 years from now. We'll look at like 2010s, 2020s punk and be like, wow, Jeff Rosenstock was the best punk writer artist of the last like tw- of the last like 20 years. That will that, mark my words. I, I, I do enjoy Jeff Rosenstock. I don't I don't know uh, much about him beyond worry. Um, worry is great. Um, we cool is awesome as well. We cool is his album from 2015. Uh, but there's just a couple of songs on um, No Dream that really stick out to me. Um, and it's really funny because you censors the first three letters, but it's the song is called Airbnb, uh, and it's about. Um, he literally, and he tells the story of it. He stayed at a, um, he stayed at an Airbnb in like some suburban town and found out that the mom was renting it out while her son was away at college in order to make extra money. And he just wrote an entire song about it. And it was just really interesting. Um, it's a fantastic song. I really enjoy Airbnb. Uh, and then Nike is as well. Uh, just talking about wearing a fresh pair of Nikes. It's great skate. It's a great skate music. Um, so I don't like quote unquote skate. I can't do a kickflip, but I like whenever I ride around, I listen to skate punk uh, just because I like it makes you faster. It's like <laughs> just for some reason. In case um, you guys are wondering, Vaughn's a cool guy. He skates. He, he wears crew neck sweaters. And yeah, uh, I he, do cool things. He I has a, a skateboard. Band. I'm He's, in a band. I own he, a skateboard. He's kind of different. I don't know. Just... I don't, yeah, I'm a little quirky. Um, <laughs> but it's either that I listen to skate punk or I listen to the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. Because if you're skating around and you listen to uh, Superman by Goldfinger, your board immediately catapults to about 30 miles per hour. And you're keeping up with the cars next to you simply because you're listening to the what probably like one of the 20 greatest songs of all time. Like that's like a, a steaming take, but like the, Superman by Goldfinger, like might be like one of the t- twenty best songs of all time. I think Some what, music is great. I think what you have to do is throw on the Skate Three soundtrack. Actually, I do and, enjoy uh, the Skate Three soundtrack and, and and absolutely vibe to Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. I think that's the best thing to do. I have to. Um, I have a tweet waiting in my drafts and I thought of it like during election week and I needed to read the room. Um, but it's a quote and it's like, Hey, I just invented the a new form of music where it's like reggae, but it's faster. And then the quote is attributed to the smartest person in the world. Uh, ska music. I am very passionate about, uh, that is a hill I will die on ska music rules. And it is like it, the third wave of, wave of ska music that's been in the last like five years. Very enjoyable. I'm going to have to make you like send me some ska albums to get into because that's a genre I've never really explored. And then another uh, another good music draft that I have, it's um, Phoebe Bridgers in Kyoto voice. Woo! Because <laughs> there's a moment in Kyoto where she just goes, woo! <laughs> uh, and it is the best part of the entire song. Vaughn, are you just going to read us your Twitter drafts and, 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 and hope that if people... If you'd at, like. And hope that people at home are laughing? Cause... If you'd like. Uh, uh, here's a quote. Uh, I'll eat my hat is such a dumb expression. Hats don't taste good at all. Why would you do that? <laughs> This is bottom tier. What's the score? <laughs> <laughs> we have 
We have reached for rock bottom. We 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 have we have called in Von Jones to, to just read <laughs> to read, my read, read read tweets that he th- even he thought weren't good enough to weren't send just enough. yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm tweeting I'm tweeting the ska one right now actually. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a quote tweet on there. Actually, I'll I'll, I'll fleet it. I'll, I'll send it off. Yeah, to, you, as can, a, you can throw it as a fleet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a what a mess that is. As a promotions director, do I gotta start using fleets? Do I gotta blaze fleet now? I I refuse. I it was so funny. I saw a meme and it was like, uh, it's like that meme that's like we got life tomorrow and it's like a dude crying, but it's like we it's like every social media brand director worrying about their job and it's like we got ethereal tweets tomorrow, <laughs> where they literally just disappear after a day. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, this, this social media director nonsense, man, with the adding fleet to the mix, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. <laughs> what, you're telling me I have to learn on the fly for this job? This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I, I, I grow as a person and develop new skills? Are you That's kidding me? I have to, I have to learn as I go, what is this, a college radio station? That's no. Gross. You're telling me I have to actually pick up new habits that are healthier than my old habits? That's, that's really terrible. That's outrageous. I signed up for the status quo. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm going to have to find a way to start using fleets. Probably the same way I use Instagram stories, which uh, I'll actually I'll, I'll throw up a Von Jones Instagram story on the Blaze Radio story today. We'll, sure, we'll, I we'll, appreciate we'll, we'll do that. that. We'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do an Instagram promo for, I think, uh, Guitar Heroes is the one that hasn't been promoted yet. Very nice. I'm definitely uh, going to create, like, for next semester, Instagram stories that are just, like, really bad, like, impact font like 20 early 2010s like rage comic memes and mm. i think those are going to be my instagram stories for my shows the next semester oh, i'm no. just trying to make like the most intolerable things ever if you've never heard my guitar heroes promo it's the worst thing in the world is that is that, is that the department store yeah that one? That, yeah that one <laughs> i literally ran out of ideas and i was like this would be stupid i'm gonna do this that's like everything I do is like this would be dumb. Here I'm gonna do this. <laughs> well, what we'll, what we'll do is actually when when I go in and I put this show in for today, uh, I will I will queue up the Von Jones Guitar Heroes promo right after. Uh, so that way, when people are listening to the show, you'll be able to hear the Von Jones Guitar Heroes promo uh, instantly after this. Yeah, um, every and- everything I do is motivated by stupidity. <laughs> I think that's like that's like the life that I live. What a quote. <laughs> what an absolute banger of a quote um i i'm, I'm gonna try and bring it back to basketball here i don't know if we're too right. far gone to possibly bring it full circle to basketball here uh this is going to be an absolute hot take who do you what's your biggest like shock free agent signing that you think is going to happen at some point over the next week or even or even a trade what what star do you think is going to trade teams at some point in the next week I think, um, I don't know if it's a shocker, but I think Danilo Gallinari is going to sign with the Heat. I think he's going to take a pay cut, and then the Heat are going to, like, really, really compete for a championship this year. Why Um, shouldn't he take a pay cut and play for the Suns? That's what I think uh, is a great idea. See, I think that's a great idea as well, but I think Gallo's more interested in that uh, hashtag Miami living, Um, and I think he's going to take that. I also think that Westbrook is going to get traded, but Harden is not going to get traded, and it's going to be really awkward. Yeah, that would be actually awful for the for the Rockets and for Westbrook. Where, yeah, where, he's gonna get traded to like the Hornets or something. What do you think? How do you think a team with Harden and no co-stars does? <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just tweeted the Scott thing I was talking about, <laughs> and Gannon took the time to reply with lame. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> Harden with no co-stars. I thought he was going to get to uh, apologize to Trevor Ariza, uh, but he didn't get to because they traded him again. And now he's in Siberia, a.k.a. Uh, Detroit. Um, but no, I... <sighs> Harden is capable, and I think he needs to bring the mid-range back into his game. Um, and I think that's what he's going to do under Coach Silas because D'Antoni was threes and dunks. Um, but an uh, often and often forgotten, like a good mid-range is, uh, is an important part of your game. Um, and Harden shot the mid-range early with Houston, and then D'Antoni became the coach, and then he stopped doing it. And I think he's going to start doing it again. And I think he's going to become a more dynamic scorer. Uh, than he is now, which is crazy to think about. Um, but if you don't get that man, somebody like, I don't know, sign Dwight Howard again. If you don't get that man, somebody, it's going to be really rough to watch. Well, I think the ideal co-star for James Harden, they keep trying to give him another ball handler. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you need a guy that can play off ball with James Harden. Like Absolutely. Like, give like James that. Harden like JJ Redick and like, I don't know if you're going to trade, if you're going to trade Russ to Charlotte, give him miles, give him miles bridges, like give him guys that are like, that are off ball movement and like cutting and slashing masters and they can let him pass. If they can steal PJ Washington, that would be a great fit. I think. Absolutely. I think there are guys that like smart cutters, uh, intelligent, like screeners uh, and guys who are fluid and can move along the three point line without the ball or what Harden needs. He does not need Russell Westbrook. He that was like the worst pairing that I could ever have conceptualized for him. Seriously. Uh, well, as I think we are running out of time here on what's the score, I'll give you one last chance to have to have any parting words. I'll, I'll give you a a song recommendation of the day and a draft pick to watch out for. We'll, we'll make you do both. I know you already said Desmond Bain, but someone that you think is just like everyone should right. be on 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 high alert about. So my draft one is actually, funnily enough, it's going to be Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams came off the bench at FSU and averaged nine points a game. Devin Booker came off the bench uh, and scored eight points a game for Kentucky. Oh, no. Uh, I don't think Patrick Williams is going to be Devin Booker, but he's going to be a lot better than people give him credit for. I don't think it was a terrible pick. I think it was confusing to be that high. But if he's your guy, the Bulls got their guy, and I can't complain. Also, watch out for Jalen Smith. Sticks. Absolute God. Uh, And then my song recommendation from Visions of Bodies Being Burned in the album I mentioned earlier, uh, 96, Neve Campbell. Neve Campbell, obviously the star of Scream uh, in uh-huh. 1996. 96, Neve Campbell um, from Visions of Bodies Being Burned by Clipping. Uh, and there's a feature there from Cam in China, uh, and they do a fantastic job as well. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. I know it was kind of a, a pinch hitter moment because uh, I called you in last second because of the NBA draft. I knew you'd be you'd be a guest with plenty of insight and, and son's uh, knowledge because no big deal. You talked to James Jones and Jalen Smith last night. Subtle flex. <laughs> uh, thank you guys all for listening to What's the Score. That's the podcast and radio show where music and sports collide. Find us again next Thursday, actually on Thanksgiving Day. If you want to just interrupt Thanksgiving dinner at 4.30 p.m., uh, feel free to come listen to me. I know what I'll be doing. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think next week I'm going to do a my first solo show. Uh, I think I'm just going to try and take some questions uh, on, on social media this week and answer oh, questions. I, guess I got some questions for you. First of all, how dare you? I knew you were going to say that. I, I'm, <laughs> this is outrageous. All right. Thank you for listening to What's the Score. I'm Gannon Hannibal for Vaughn Jones, and we will see you next Thursday at 4.30.